When you're having a stress response because of something you're thinking, that doesn't go away on its own. That just keeps kind of festering and it keeps it keeps you tense and it keeps you in a state of chronic stress, which is really not conducive to sleep. So fortunately, we our brain is the boss of our body and we can teach it how to calm our nervous system down, but it does take practice. And most of us just aren't trained to do that. We're not taught this from being little kids, right? We're, we're taught actually to try harder to sleep, which is absolutely not what we <laughs> not should be doing. Work. I mean, I've been trying that for years and I'm telling you, yeah, that doesn't work. Try it doesn't harder work. to sleep. Welcome to Married 2.0. I'm your host, Amy Sanders. I'm a fitness and wellness pro, mom, stepmom, second wife, and master certified life coach. I'm here to help you manage your emotions, your relationships, and life so you can live a healthier, happier life. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm Amy Sanders, and I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Janet Whalen, and we are talking about sleep. I'm so excited to talk about sleep because I'm sure in previous podcasts, you've heard me talk maybe a little bit, but it has been something that I have struggled with off and on throughout my entire life. And I know that I'm not alone. I know a lot of women struggle with this as well. And Janet's specialty is all about sleep. She's healed her own insomnia and she focuses with women that are 40 years and older that struggle with sleep, that have children, have all the millions of things going on. She's super savvy with business. She's been an entrepreneur for a long time and she shifted gears from helping women in just entrepreneurship to focusing on sleep because it's such an issue, especially since the pandemic. So Janet, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how it came to be that you're in this awesome niche? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I never guessed that this is what I would be focusing on. I was an insomniac for a good 40 years. Like I would even just say my whole life, right? I can remember a good even as 40 a years, just yeah. 40, just 40. <laughs> Not very long. I can remember even as a kid, like really struggling with sleep. And I just thought it it wasn't meant for me. Like I just, I gave into it. I decided I just am a person who doesn't need to sleep for a third of my life. What a waste. I'll sleep when I'm dead. All that usual stuff that we hear. Right. And then I got my second life coaching certification and decided to kind of use, I was like, well, what's my biggest problem for me, right. That I could use these tools for. And I thought, well, (laughs) I might as well try it on my sleep. And it took me a long time. Yeah. There was a lot of trial and error and back and forth and, you know, being obsessed with my fitness tracker data and stuff like that, that didn't help me at all. But I finally got onto the concept of it being, you know, kind of focusing on my thoughts about sleep and, and how I was believing about myself as someone who was quote unquote, a terrible sleeper and how that was kind of creating a a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I noticed I was just sleeping better. And I mean, I'm making it sound simple. It took a couple of years probably of trial and error. I now have a program that can help you sleep in eight weeks or less, <laughs> which I wish existed For in you. those days. But yeah. yeah. And so uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, when my um, women entrepreneur clients kind of put their coaching on hold because no one knew what was happening with, you know, with their businesses, who was going to still have a job or a business or whatever after 
that whole thing got started, I kind of thought to myself, like, well, this seems like an opportunity for me to decide if this is what I want to keep doing. And and I was working with a coach who said, well, if you could do absolutely anything, what would it be? And I said, well, I would help women like me sleep better because I've figured it out. And she just went, oh my gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> I thought, really? Like, that's a thing I could do. That? Is this good? Like, should I do this? <laughs> I do this? And after I kind of said it out loud, like I, I got chills when I said it. And after I said it out loud, I thought, maybe this is a thing. Like, maybe I can actually do this. So I started researching it, found out, of course, it is a thing. It's very common with babies and kids. It's becoming a lot more common with adults. And certainly there are all kinds of sleep disorders and issues that aren't appropriate for coaching, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't, I can't help somebody with narcolepsy. I can't help somebody with a, a really serious sleep or medical disorder or anything like that. Cause I'm not a medical doctor, but there is this group of women who are struggling with sleep because of stress and, you know, perfectionism and people pleasing and all the things that a lot of midlife moms in particular deal with where sort of this combination of life coaching and a program called CBTI, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. I kind of blend the two together and have a lot of success. So that's, that's a bit of the long version of, of how this happened, but yeah, I'm a fantastic sleeper now. And I just want other moms, other midlife women to know, like there is life on the other side of insomnia and it's awesome. So obviously there's a problem. I looked, I know that I've had a problem for years, right? Yeah. But I was like, we're talking about sleep. I'm just curious what the numbers are. So I went online and there were 70 million. It's, it says there's 70 million people in America that have chronic sleep issues. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Yeah. And you were telling us before we hit record that, or you were talking to me that more than 50% of them are women. Yeah. Yeah. It's us. Women are much more likely to struggle. Now there's a couple of reasons for that, right? Like once we hit perimenopause and menopause, we have hormonal reasons that wake us up. Men don't obviously suffer from that. So, so that definitely is part of it. But I think there are a lot of societal reasons too, right? Just around, you know, the fact that we're still doing the majority of the work in the house and we have jobs outside the the home, we have kids, we have just a lot of pressures and most sort of classic chronic insomnia is caused by unmanaged stress. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think the majority of these women just, they can't turn their brains off? I know for me, that's how I feel like my brain's just going freaking crazy And, and then once my brain goes crazy, I literally feel it in my body. Like I feel like really anxious when I'm not sleeping. It's like, I'll be tired if I don't go to bed right when I'm tired. If I, I I call it my window, actually my friends know, and my family knows that if I say I'm in my window, I have to go to sleep. Right. So I, but if it, if I get anywhere past my window, it's game over. Like I'm not going to sleep. Yeah. So that does happen. Like two questions there, right? So the racing mind thing, yes, that's pretty classic, especially I find for women, although it does happen to men too. What's happening when you're feeling anxious is your racing mind is actually creating a stress response in your body, right? So your body is producing cortisol and stress hormones and your heart rate is increasing and all the things that are counter to what has to be happening in order for you to sleep. So any kind of worry, anxiety, 
racing mind, overthinking, all of that kind of stuff is part of what we work on in sleep coaching because we have to learn how to calm our nervous system down on purpose. Like us, your racing mind trains your brain to think that there's a danger, right? Something awful is going to happen. And our bodies are, we can create um, a relaxation response in our body without really thinking about it when there's a physical threat. Like if, you know, if you're driving on the highway and you get cut off and you're just like, <gasps> and you're so tense for just a couple of minutes, but it sort of relaxes after a couple of minutes, right? When you're having a stress response because of something you're thinking, that doesn't go away on its own. That just keeps kind of festering and it keeps it keeps you tense and it keeps you in a state of chronic stress, which is really not conducive to sleep. So fortunately, we our brain is the boss of our body and we can teach it how to calm our nervous system down, but it does take practice. And most of us just aren't trained to do that. We're not taught this from being little kids, right? We're, we're taught actually to try harder to sleep, which is absolutely not what we <laughs> not should be doing. Work. I mean, I've been trying that for years and I'm taught, yeah, that doesn't work. Try it doesn't harder work. to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Does not work. Oh. So how many sleep hours? and effort don't go together? <laughs> no, no, no. Sleep and effort. Yeah. No, that doesn't even make sense. Right. No. Um, so what's normal for you now with your sleep? Somewhere between seven and a half and eight hours. And it can even be seven. Like it's, I don't worry, to be honest, I don't worry about it anymore. I used to worry about it when I was tracking everything with my Fitbit and all it did was confirm for me that I was only getting six hours or five and a half or whatever every night. It wasn't actually helping me know what to do <laughs> to change that. And it was just getting me more and more stressed. But now I track it. So if you work with me, there's a whole sleep tracker that we use, but it involves things like, you know, what time are you eating and any medications that you're on and how often you're awake in the night. And like, there's all kinds of things involved in it. But once you become a good sleeper, you can kind of just be like, well, what time did I go to bed? What time did I wake up? And was I awake in the night? And just kind of do that math. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's anywhere between seven and eight, but I would say on average, it's probably seven and a half. And that feels really good to me that like, I feel really rested with that. So that was my next question is 40 years of insomnia. Yep. Not sleeping, sleeping off and on struggling with sleeping versus now, how do you feel? Like, what's the oh difference? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Like night and day. And my husband, if he was here, he just said this to me the other day. He goes, do you know how fast you fall asleep now? Like I used to lie there for hour and a half, two hours, tossing and turning, reading my phone, like listening to podcasts, doing whatever I could do to try not to be super anxious and like just angry that I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. And now <laughs> it's just, it's the total opposite. Like I literally do fall asleep probably within like it, normal is somewhere between like 10 to 20 minutes. It takes people right? That is actually normal. Um, and I'd say if it takes me 10 minutes, I'm, that's a bad day now. Wow. So yeah, I, I just feel so much more rested. I don't worry about my sleep at all ever. So my brain is like, there's so much more space in my brain for other things now. And I have more time in my day because I no longer feel like I have to sleep in on the weekends to catch up. Like it's just, everything is just very sort of even. And I, I've just dropped so much worry. It's quite fascinating, actually. 
when you drop that worry, you're going to be able to sleep better. Right. Like it's right now. So right now I am in my middle of my crazy sleep issues, which I've been sleeping so well for a number of years and it was less stress, right? Like I, I changed my life. I was insomniac until I divorced my (laughs) ex-husband after I divorced him, I could sleep, which is bizarre, but it was like the first time in years since I was a kid that I could sleep. And I've actually slept pretty well for a number of years since, but lately it's back. Right. But it's that anxiety, like, oh no, it's, it's almost nighttime. I don't want to deal with this. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to. And it's like, I'm tripping myself up already. Like I'm already stressed about it. That's it. Before I even go to sleep. Like before I'm even in the bed, I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's another rough night. Yeah. But I'm like setting myself up for failure. Like I hear myself. And it's, it's great that you can hear yourself doing that. Like a lot of people, it takes a little while, like like it's a quite a practice to actually be able to hear yourself, but because you're a coach, you're kind of practiced in that. Right. But that's like, that's one of the first things that, um, clients who work with me kind of learn to do, because even that's a difficult thing for a lot of people. It's like, well, we're going to look at your thoughts about sleep. Well, I don't think I have any thoughts about sleep, except that it's terrible. I'm a, I'm (laughs) not going to sleep. I'm not going to work well tomorrow. I'm doomed. (laughs) Like all the things already tired. I'm going to be so much more tired tomorrow. I can't barely function. Yeah. All these things, all that, all of that. Yeah. So all of that creates self-fulfilling prophecies, right? And it creates stress response, which creates this vicious cycle of like, like tension, then stress, then more stress, then no sleep, then no, then stress because of the no sleep. And it's just, yeah, that's how it becomes chronic. Every person, every human has trouble sleeping every now and then, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's totally normal or they have, you know, some nights of less sleep, but a person who doesn't struggle with insomnia can just kind of find that again. Right. Or it just starts to happen and they're not worried about it. They're not stressed about what happens if they don't get their sleep. It's the, it's the process of starting to worry about what's gone wrong. That is really at the heart of this. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you tell the person all right. What would you tell me right now? Right. Cause I am the person right now. I, I hate to admit it, but yeah, right now I am the person. So getting started down this road of being able to sleep better. Let's talk to these women who are struggling with that. Yeah. So the first thing, especially because you've just mentioned that you used to be a good sleeper, right? Your brain has all kinds of evidence that you can do this mm-hmm. and that your body knows how to do it. Right. So the first thing you want to do is like, remember that, like take that as um, a really good sign that, you know, sleep is a natural thing that your body knows how to do. You can get back to like, it's a think positively about the possibility that you could be able to find this again. Do you find you sleep well on vacation? Yes and no. Well, this is what's well. Okay. All right. On the podcast, I'm being totally open. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So usually I don't sleep very well on vacation. I've been able to sleep well, like for a number of years now, since like I, since I went through my divorce, it's like it almost reset where like my stress was reset or something. And all of a sudden I was able to sleep and, um, it's been a number of years where I've been able to sleep. And then now I'm like in this like bout again, I had a really stressful thing happen a few weeks ago and it's like, it like triggered it again, but I went on vacation recently Mm -hmm. and all I wanted to do on this vacation was sleep because I was getting an average of one to three hours a night, which was killing me, especially as coaching, right? Like I'm trying to coach and trying to be on point with my clients and stuff. And I am so exhausted anyway. So here's where I'm being like real. My friend gave me a Xanax 
and I slept on my vacation. I was like, oh my gosh, I just slept eight hours. This is amazing. So she gave me Xanax again the next day. And I was like, okay, I don't know that I want to become addicted to Xanax, but oh my word, it helped me sleep. So my last vacation, I slept really great, but I was drugged. That's the honesty. So I don't want that to be my norm, but my norm in the past is that I I'm not sleeping well on vacation, but it's, I don't know, the bed, the pillow. It's not the stress. It's not stress for sure. No, it's like the change of circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of like that too. Like the first few nights in a hotel, I sleep terribly and then I kind of ease into it. Right. Like it's the different sounds and whatever. And, and typically people who have insomnia are very aware of stuff like that. Like you're, you're more hyper aware of like listening for sounds outside, listening for sounds in the house, listening for your kids. So if you're on alert like that, (laughs) there's, you can't also be falling asleep. Your brain can't do both of those things at the same time. So the reason I ask that is just because, um, a lot of women find they sleep fine on vacation, but they're, they don't sleep well during the week Mm. or, you know, when they're working and that kind of stuff. So sometimes it's because it's related to work stress, but for you, it might be some other, I think it's just kind of, it's circumstantial, right? It's like, if I'm there long enough, then I will, but it's, it's not the stress for sure. Yeah. The, um, like chill when they're on vacation and be able to sleep, but like not here. That makes sense. The other thing you mentioned was that you had something stressful happen recently. And so Mm -hmm. that typically we call that a precipitating factor for insomnia, right? So there's, um, things that precipitate stress, you know, you mentioned one of them divorce. Sometimes it's like moving, getting a new job, losing a job, having relationship struggles, you know, money issues, anything that's making you kind of nervous can cause anyone to have a few sleepless nights here and there. What happens when you have insomnia is you're doing all kinds of stuff that perpetuates the insomnia to try and fix it. So you do things like sleeping in, drinking more caffeine, taking medication, going to bed too early, uh, buying weighted blankets and supplements and like all these external solutions to try and fix it. And you treat them like crutches, right? When the, the most bizarre thing about all of this is that like sleep is an inside job. And once we fix it from the inside, you can take that anywhere, right? Like, so I have clients who, you know, are either on medication or they are convinced that their weighted blanket is helping them sleep and they go away and they forget to take those things and they start to stress out. Well, what am I going to do? Because that's the thing that helps me. If you fix this from the inside out, you never have to worry about that because your brain is what solved it and you take your brain everywhere you go. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm literally your perfect client. I've done every (laughs) single one of those things and sometimes all together. And my total crutch that has been for years, the one thing that helped me get into sleeping better was earplugs. I have to turn off all sounds and the light is forever. So if I have earplugs, but like you're talking about all the things I'm like, I bought the new bed. I bought the pillow. I bought the heated blanket. I have the earplugs. I go to sleep in my window. I mean, I'm ridiculous. Like you're saying, and then now I'm medicated. I'm like, give me the drugs so I can sleep tonight. Yeah. And when you, the the interesting thing in, in studies of most medications that were created for sleep is that they only work for a short time. They're actually only intended for short-term use. Most people use too much and for too long, but they only typically help people sleep for an extra half hour a night. So what's probably happening with you is a lot of placebo effect where Mm -hmm. you're, what you're doing is you're like assigning sleep to the medication, Mm -hmm. right? You're like, Oh, here, just take it, take, take all my worries, 
help me sleep. This and because you're not worrying about it anymore, you're like, oh, great, this is awesome. I'm going to sleep. And yeah. then as soon as you don't have it, you're not, you don't have anything to assign that to anymore. And you're giving the job back to your brain to worry about. Right. So yeah, that can be, that can be actually the, what's actually happening when you take a medication instead of like it, most medications won't quote unquote, give you eight hours of sleep. Yeah. And that growing up through this, like just living this life of insomnia as a kid, I mean, my parents didn't even know what to do with me. I'm sure you can relate. Like they're like, this chick is not going to sleep. She's 11 years old. Here's some movies, Amy, watch movies until you can fall asleep. And I would just be sitting there in front of the movie, watching a movie, not sleeping in schools in the morning. And then I would just go to school. I mean, it was like over and over and over like this, but, um, so then my dad would, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You can relate, right. This is like the life of an insomniac. And then my dad would have me sit in the front seat when we were traveling traveling across the country. If my mom got tired because she, he knew I could keep him awake. You could keep her. <laughs> so he'd send her to the back and I'd be in the front yeah. and he'd be driving. And that was just kind of even more, right? Because then you feel responsible. <laughs> yeah. Right. But what's, yeah. it's just the whole thing is so interesting because then I would take the drugs and you said the same thing. So then we created a concoction. We can create a concoction. Like you take this drug on this day for two days. And then you take this other one for this day. And then you take these other ones on this day. And then you go a day without like, and I was like, oh, that's the magic thing. So then I would do that. I mean, literally throughout the life, I'm sure you've done this too. Right. And then you're like, wait, this doesn't work anymore. But when I was totally sleeping without anything and I was getting the sleep I needed, it was amazing. Until until just recently, but yeah, like it it happened and I was like, wow, I'm on nothing other than earplugs. Those things have come with me everywhere. Yeah. And sometimes earplugs are necessary, right? Like we, we do have to kind of tune out the environmental noise and some people sleep really well with like a white noise machine and like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And there are certain crutches like that, that are kind of positive and, and helpful and others that are, um, that just aren't. <laughs> I love and, that you said from the inside out though, like, guess what? You don't need yeah. the heated blanket. You can do this on your own. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you don't and need all so of the extras. More, yeah. It's so much more empowering when you can do that. Right. Because then you realize, well, what else can I do this with? <laughs> you yeah. know, if I can fix my sleep like this and, and I mean, I'm not kidding when I say I would go to bed and just lie there for hours, or I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be up for hours. Like, yeah just terrible cycles, um, on and on like this. And like, my husband really can't believe that I do this. And I like, I don't, I will not lie about this. There are nights that I don't sleep great still because I'm a human being. Right. What I don't do is make a big deal out of it. You don't make it mean anything. I don't make it back into insomnia. Nope. Don't make it mean something. No, I say to myself, Oh, it's just, I'm awake and being awake as part of being a human. It's totally okay that I'm awake. There's nothing wrong with being awake. It's just dark outside. Mm. That's all that's happening here. Yeah. It's such a different right? way to look at it. Yeah. And then my body doesn't freak out. I don't have, I'm, I don't create a stress response for myself. I I've learned to notice my drowsiness signals again. Like, and that's a big thing for a lot of women. We're so busy. We're so externally focused on everyone else. Right that, uh, and where we've been taught that self-care is getting our hair done and our nails and all the rest that we're not actually <laughs> doing real self-care and looking inside at what we really need. 
And so we don't recognize things like I'm drowsy means bedtime, right? We think bedtime is when my partner goes to bed or when the news is over or some other arbitrary time that we've decided. But if we're not drowsy or sleepy, we're just going to lie there and toss and turn. And then we're going to create a connection with our brain that our bed is where we toss and turn, not where we fall asleep easily. So what do you think about, so with me going back to my window, I'm just making this all about me because I'm your perfect client. I swear. Great. (laughs) I've done all these things. (laughs) Okay. So when I'm getting tired and I call it, I call it my window. I'm in my window. I got to go to sleep. Is that what you you would say? Okay. So you're yawning, you're tired, go to sleep. First of all, yes, that is perfect. But I would also get you to stop calling it your window. (laughs) Yeah. I need to do that too. I have yeah. things in my brain. Like I got to go to sleep within my window and I yeah, have, you're putting a lot of pressure. 11. Yeah. You're putting a lot of pressure on sleep on, on the window to help you right. sleep. Right. Because you're convincing your brain that it's right to worry if it doesn't fall asleep in the window. <laughs> you're totally right. Okay. Yeah. I am doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So stop calling the window, but just go to sleep when I'm tired. Yes. Just be like, it's time to go to bed. It's time to go to bed when you're tired. And if you like the whole process that we do in my program is to help you find your ideal sleep schedule. Like I read all this stuff like, oh, you should always be asleep before 1030 at night. It's better for you as a human, blah, blah, blah. That's not necessarily true. There's different what's called chronotypes. Like some people are really night owls. Some people are really early birds. And messing with that sleep schedule can make them really uncomfortable. And unfortunately, our society has created a schedule that forces everyone into this kind of nine to five work day, right? That makes it challenging for like the night owls who would rather go to bed at one and get up at nine. Um, they, they have to kind of force themselves into a different sleep schedule. Um, but if they can they can feel a lot better during the day. Like, cause what happens is they still stay up till one and they get up at six and then they only got five hours of sleep. <laughs> right? right. So if they can move their bedtime back a little bit, it's more ideal for them, but um, like letting go of there's a perfect bedtime or, you know, everybody should be asleep before midnight. Or, you know, I also hear lots of, you know, you don't burn fat unless you fall asleep before midnight. Like (laughs) you got to let go of all that. Your body knows exactly what time it is and it's not going to burn fat unless that's right. It's going to penalize you (laughs) for staying up past midnight. Okay. So true. My husband is a complete night owl and it's, it's a real thing. I mean, he loves to stay up late and it's, he, he literally loves it. And when he's doing extra work, if he's has a side job or if he's like has extra stuff, he has to get done. He's more alert at night Yeah, and everybody else is down. I'm not, I'm the opposite. Right. But what about the woman? This may or may not have also been me who then feels guilty (laughs) that she's going to bed earlier than her husband. Like you're supposed to go to bed at the same time. (sighs) Right. What about that person? I just wrote an email about this (laughs) today. Actually, (laughs) I, I want us to stop calling this sleep divorce. (laughs) So divorce. So this is a term sleep divorce is where you either sleep in separate beds or separate rooms or have separate sleep schedules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you are not um, kind of sleep compatible with your partner. And 
I think it's the worst term for a really great thing. <laughs> like, it sounds, yeah, it sounds terrible. Sleep divorce. And this is the, um, like, I'm pretty passionate about this. <laughs> um, so 25% of couples, and I think it's just in the US, this stat comes from, I live in Canada, but my guess is it's probably the same. Um, don't sleep in the same room. 25%. 25%. Yeah. And yet we have this huge stigma around this behavior thinking that, well, they must not have a good relationship or yeah. something must be wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The reality is they might have an even better relationship than a couple that's trying really hard to sleep in the same bed, struggling, both like not getting enough sleep because what happens when you don't get enough sleep and there have been studies done on this is we start kind of acting and reacting more from our amygdala, which is our fear center of our brain during the day, you'll be more emotional, you'll be more anxious, you'll be more tense, you'll be quicker to anger, all things that do not support (laughs) good relationships, right? (laughs) And this is for like, goes for your partner, it goes for your, um, your friends, your kids, your coworkers, like we're just snappier and we're not as We can't emotionally regulate as well when we're tired. So it stands to reason that we should be willing to do pretty much anything in order to get, you know, decent sleep over this like people pleasing idea of I need to go to bed at the same time as my partner or even more sleep in the same room. Right. And it doesn't have to impact intimacy or any of that. Like it's literally about just lying there unconscious next to someone. So like, I don't know about you, but that wasn't in my vows. Yeah. I just am laughing too, because you're like, because they say that you are, you know, like getting snappy or whatever. Yeah. So last week, my husband called me out on the fact that I was tired and I was being completely irrational. Thing is, is I knew I was, but I didn't want to own it. Right. Right. Well, and you're probably not even able to own it really, because you're not like, he's like, Amy, you're just tired. And I was like, whatever, don't tell me I'm tired. Even though like, I know that I am because I haven't been sleeping well. Right. And then I'm, I'm completely irrational. I was like, I don't even know if this is working. Like our, our, our marriage, like what? It's totally working, but I'm like, like, right. Like I just got so crazy town. I was literally crazy town. But it's because I wasn't sleeping well. It's because you're tired. Yeah. And you're and and the, the I'm tired thing. and he's being even like compassionate about it. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Don't even. And you're taking no, it as an not. insult. <laughs> not because I'm tired. You don't, don't get tell to me tell that. me what I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, right. So, so it's like, we need to, we need to really learn some self-care here. Like we need to understand that you know, what's happening with their sleep is their issue. And what's happening with our sleep is our (laughs) issue. And we, we can't manage theirs and they can't manage ours. We can only manage our own. And so whatever is going to work for you, that's going to help you feel good and rested. And like quality sleep is the most important. I don't like, I don't help clients go for a certain number of hours a night. I help them go for quality and feeling good and like really getting a sense of what that is for them. And I mean, sometimes it's connected to hours, especially if they're not, they're only getting a few for sure. We try to go for more hours, but there's no, like, there's no one goal. There's a wide variety of sleep needs across people and age too. Like we need less sleep as we age. So that's really important to know. And it kind of lets us off the hook if we're like, if you're 50 
and you're not sleeping the way you were when you were 25 to be like, well, of course, right? Why do you need less sleep as you age? You'd almost think it'd be the opposite. Um, probably because like, we're not really, we're not growing anymore or <laughs> we're not, okay. you know, like I, I think it's, um, related to that, but to be honest, I mean, I'm not a researcher, so I don't know the reason. I just know that it's true. So if you look at any chart, um, babies sleep like 18 to 20 hours a day, kids sleep, you know, 10 to 12 teenagers, eight to 10 young adults, somewhere around eight. And as you get into middle age and even later, sometimes it goes down to like six, six and a half. And the other thing that happens is your our circadian rhythm, like moves to earlier in the evening. So our body temperature drops earlier. We feel tired earlier in the night. And then, um, we wake up in the middle of the night. Cause like, if you go to bed at eight o'clock at night, of course, you're going to wake up at three in the morning. You've just slept for seven hours. Yeah, you're right. But we expect that we should be able to sleep for like 10 and wake up at the same time, but that's not how it works. So yeah. So to just have the expectation that our needs will change and our needs might be different from someone else's and that that's totally okay is like a load off for a lot of people because there's no reason why you and your partner should have the exact same sleep schedule or sleep needs or, or any of that. And it's okay. We can like totally say, okay. guess what? Sleep divorce is a thing and it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's just find a better name. Let's find a different name. Positive name for it. Yeah. 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 But if you think back even to the fifties, it was really common to have two it beds in common. room. Yes. It's like what they did. Yeah. I don't even understand what happened. Like, why is this suddenly mean you have a terrible relationship if that's what you're doing? Cause that was the thing. And even is before a, that, right? Like, yeah, there's a complete stigma around it for sure. There is. And it, and it's like the last thing my clients even want to consider. And I don't try to force anyone to do it. Like it's totally your choice. And I, I give people options, right. And we talk about why you might want to do this, but so I'm certainly like, I'm not suggesting that everyone with insomnia needs to find their own bedroom. That's not the case, but there are people who just really have incompatible sleep patterns or someone who snores like really loud all night and the other person just can't sleep. That's really challenging. (laughs) And because it's about the other person, it's not you like, what are you going to do about that? Right. So at the end of the day, it's what is the goal? Is it to lie there unconscious next to the person or is it to get good rest? Yeah. You know, so such a good question to ask. What, (laughs) what is the goal here? Do we really want to feel good tomorrow and how can we achieve And how can we do that? Yeah. What's the best route to, to feeling good tomorrow? (laughs) Yeah. Right. You've given a lot of good nuggets, just the permission being okay. Like, okay, guess what? It's okay to not sleep in the same bed. If that means you're actually going to (laughs) sleep. Yeah. And this is why I call my bed at the same time and be guilt free about it. You did it for a million years before you got married or before you're with a partner or whatever, right? Like you can. Right. Right. And just because you got married doesn't mean that has to change or you have to adopt someone else's sleep schedule. Yeah. And it also doesn't, we do. Yeah. Right. And we do it at the expense of our own, you know, health and well being sometimes, and we're forcing ourselves. And so we're feeling like when you do that, you feel resentful, you feel like all things that create a stress response again. So it's no it's no wonder we don't sleep. Like there's just, yeah, we really have to be kinder to ourselves and have different expectations. 
Yeah. I think. Yeah. So good. Okay. So you have a program. You do a little bit of one-on-one coaching, but you mostly have a program that teaches people how to sleep in eight weeks or less. Let's talk about that for a minute. And it's, you just used the word permission. My program is called permission to sleep. And this is the reason that it's called that, right? (laughs) I realized early that I was not giving myself permission. I was looking for it from someone else, right? I know my husband would take a nap on the weekends. He would just sort of go and fall asleep for an hour and come back and feel great. And I would be so resentful and so angry that, you know, he just left me with the kids and he knew everything would be looked after. So he just got to do that and I don't get to do it. And then one day I thought, well, what's really stopping me? Guess what? I actually can. I'm the one telling myself I can't do this. And then I'm the one being resentful at him and he's fine. He was fine before he went to bed during when he slept. And then when he woke up, like, so I was like secretly angry with him for years. And I finally told him one day and he cracked up and he was like, what if I like, of course you could have a nap. I would totally like, what do you mean? You can't leave the kids. Oh my gosh. How many women do that though? Like you said that. Yes. I mean, I've done that a gazillion times, so many times, but I'm sure everyone listening has felt that you're, you're all resentful that someone else, you know, especially your husband or partner, they're, they're, they're doing that, but you can't, but I can't, no one is telling you that you can't nobody. No. And one day I realized he was, he was just being a responsible adult and giving himself permission to sleep. And I was the one that was looking for it from somewhere else. Yeah. And then it was just like, okay, (laughs) this all has to change. Right. And that change has to be here. Not, it had nothing to do with him. No, <laughs> but we like to make it, it, it yeah. you know, it makes you feel better. Like, oh, it's, well, like, you think it makes you feel make, better, yeah, but it doesn't, doesn't make you feel better, but you think it makes you feel better. Yes. In the moment you're like finding a, it's finding a reason. So your brain thinks it, it's better, but it actually makes you feel worse. Right. And, and you don't get a solution. It. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like all upset at them. And they're like, what did I do? I just took a nap. <laughs> Do you want to take a nap now? You can too. Yeah, you're you're a jerk for looking after yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're not going to take care of the kids the way that I'm going to take care of the kids. You're not going to get things done. No, there's no way I can take a nap. No. Yeah, and I'm mad. That's the other thing. You're not going to do it the way I want it done. Exactly. It's the manual. Which I mean, you and I know what the manual is, right? Some people. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But that's that's a big one. Like I have the a number of clients who say things like. And I used to say this too. I can't go to sleep with my kitchen messy, right? Like everything has to get done or I can't sleep because I don't want to wake up to a messy kitchen. And then it's like, okay, well, who else could possibly clean my kitchen (laughs) in the evening, right? Why does it have to be me? Well, I like the way that I do it and other people don't do it the right way or whatever. Well, hold on. (laughs) That's a whole other issue. And it has nothing to do with your sleep, Right. right? That's about you letting go and you know, asking for help or looking for to outsource problems, et cetera, et cetera. So or maybe it's actually okay to let it's the kitchen be messy. It's like it's your, okay. it's your head. It's your thoughts about it. That totally is hanging you up. Yeah. It's not going to ruin my day. If I get up and there's like dishes on my counter. Yeah. It, it is. If I think it's going to ruin my day, <laughs> but if right. it, that actual fact is not ruining my day. Right. Such a good reminder. (laughs) 
as we go off on this tangent, this is what right. coaches do, right? We're like, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So your program is called permission to sleep. I can't think of a better program name yeah. for this. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And it does seem to resonate with a lot of women. So, I, so good. I'll probably so keep, good. as long as that's the case, I'll just keep calling it that, but yeah, it is. It's a membership program. I say eight weeks or less is, is the amount of time that it takes for you to sleep better doing the program. And there's group coaching calls in the program. So it's not just self-directed, but the learning is kind of self-directed, but then there's all kinds of other stuff that comes after that around, you know, not using your cell phone at night, um, people pleasing the drama triangle, various other bits of work. And I have a a yoga nidra instructor who's who's created a beautiful 45 minute yoga nidra for us that you can listen to during the day or at, at night when you're falling asleep like so that when, once you figure out the tools you can keep sleeping well it's like a maintenance yeah, program yeah. right yeah and i created that because my 8 week one to one clients kind of got to the end of their program and they were sleeping well but they were kind of like okay but what happens if something changes or what happened. And I realized, oh, (laughs) this is a little bit like, it's helpful if we have tools for longer than eight weeks. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, almost everyone is sleeping better even by week five. It's pretty great. So good. Yeah. Without all of the crutches (laughs) that I have purchased in my lifetime. Oh, I have them all. (laughs) Believe me. (laughs) Okay. If you were to tell our audience, one last thing, like if you have one last little nugget of wisdom, what would it be? Oh boy. Well, the first thing is just sort of advice, which is don't wait to work on this. Like it is so possible. And I always really want to offer women, you know, think about what could be different in your life eight weeks from now, if you started figuring this out now and eight weeks is just two months. It's like the end of January, right? If you were working on this now, what things could you stop worrying about? What things would just be sort of second nature? What else would be available to you in your life if you could take back all that time that you spend worrying and trying to fix it? And then uh, a little piece of, or a little tip would be get rid of the the clock on your bedside table. <laughs> Yeah, and stop looking at your clock. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a big one for a lot of people. That one, that one alone can help people sleep better right away. Like just not doing the math in the night of how much sleep do I have left to get or you know what what's really going on here. You don't need to know. Yeah. That's one I learned a long time ago. Yeah. And And that's a really good one. Don't look at it. Don't worry about it. If it's dark, it's still dark. Just yeah. Everything else is drama. It's dark. It's night. Other people are sleeping. Those are the only facts. Yeah. Right. So good. Thank you so much for your time. So I'm going to have Janet's information in the show notes. So you guys can click on the links and like locate her because I mean, I'm guessing that quite a few people could use her services. (laughs) I know that I can. So Janet, thank you so much for being on. This was like such a fun episode and you have a ton of knowledge around the sleep stuff. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate being invited. Thanks so much. See you guys next week. Bye. Hey, who is your life coach? If you don't have one, I'd be honored to be your coach. I've created a virtual coaching program called Thrive Club that I'd like to invite you to join. We address challenges, we work on goals, and ultimately we thrive together. 
There's group coaching, individual coaching, and hundreds of hours of courses and content that I've created just for you. If you're ready to take your life to the next level, then come check out Thrive Club at luckysanders.com forward slash membership.